Hello, everybody. This summer, I was going through the book of Titus, which is actually a letter written to Christian leaders, and it was circulated around early churches, and the recipient is Titus. So it's a pretty good title. And the first couple chapters, which uh, Pastor Ryan and I have been pulling from for the past couple weeks, are filled with a lot of a lot of really good um, advice to leaders, advice to, for standards, qualifications of leaders. But this summer, I came to chapter three in the first verse, and it says this, remind the people to be subject to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready to do whatever is good. And I thought, oh my goodness, this is, this is scripture. I need to remind people to be subject to their rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready, to do whatever is good. And I've been chewing on this verse for, for a couple months now. And one of the first things that popped into my head was politics and how there's, there's this verse and a couple other places where scripture reminds us to be subject to our rulers and authorities and, and governments. And over the course of my life, I've noticed that whenever a person's candidate wins, they usually quote that verse. <laughs> and then when our candidate doesn't win, whichever side it is, and trust me, I'm not going to get political today. So just you can just ah, breathe. This isn't about politics. But I've thought about like, oh my goodness, uh, it's really easy when things are going the way that you want them to go to trust that God is there. And the, there's the, the bottom line, if, if, if you only get this, is there's peace available to us no matter who's in charge. There's peace available to us no matter what the circumstances are in our nation or in the nations. And for Jesus followers, this is a really big deal. And I've got to say right off the bat, like politics doesn't really light my fire. I don't like talking about it. I can. It's not a thing for me. Um, I, I'm just quite frankly interested in other things. But this verse has been challenging me lately. Like, am I subject to the rulers and authorities? Am I obedient? And am I ready to do whatever is good? And especially as a Christ follower, this is, this is a big deal. Because I don't believe that Christ is just Lord over one nation, over America. He's the God of nations. And if you're taking notes at home, the first thing I want to talk to you about, and this, is, uh, this may be a little bit controversial, so hear me out, but we're Christians more than we're Americans. When I say that statement, we're Christians more than we're Americans, I can almost feel the shoes flying at me. Like, wait a minute, wait a minute. I think of... Uh, the, the icebreaker game that middle schoolers play and high schoolers play at the beginning of school where they play unpopular opinions and everyone has to say something uh, unpopular and it's a way to get to know you. It sounds like a horrible idea to me, <laughs> but uh, we are Christians more than we are Americans. Or if you're watching this in Canada, you're a Christian if you're a Jesus follower first more than you're a Canadian or German, or whatever, throw any nation in there. If we are following Jesus, he is our Lord, our King, and we are his and no one else's. Jesus doesn't share. <laughs> we are first and foremost, we belong to Jesus. So 
Uh, I take great comfort in that because Jesus is in charge of the universe. He's holding all of this together at the, the quantum level all the way up to the macro level. And I have peace no matter who's in charge. Yeah, there's things that happen that I don't agree with, things that, decisions that are made that make me uncomfortable, but like deep down in my gut, I keep going back to the fact that God has this. God, I give everyone and everything to you. I am going to pursue peace no matter who is in charge. And I wanna give just a couple like scriptural images so we can get God's perspective on how our world is working. One of, the, one of the things that the Bible calls us is citizens of heaven. Citizens. Uh, the same author, Paul, writes to the Philippian church in chapter 3, verse 20. But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. We're citizens of heaven, first and foremost. I've, I've got a California driver's license, I have a US passport, but my ultimate citizenship is in heaven. That's part of the reason why we're always going to feel this kind of under the surface, at, at the very least, angst with this existence, because this isn't our home. This is where we live, but this isn't our ultimate home. Our ultimate home, our real home, is in the kingdom of God and in heaven. And uh, I think of myself for the year that I, I got to live in Japan with my wife, Marie. We were missionary uh, English teachers at public schools. And boy, I was a fish out of water in Japan. I, I didn't know the rules, the customs, especially at the beginning. Uh, and even the simplest things like going out to eat, uh, and, and asking for a table, because where we were, they didn't. Their English wasn't very common. People were much better than they let on. But even just the simplest act of buying groceries was difficult because I wasn't from there. And you see something that looks familiar on a grocery shelf, and you pick it up, and by habit you turn around the, to, to read the label on the back. But it's all in Japanese characters. I feel like. That's how our existence on planet Earth is a lot of times. Like that, that we just, there's some things and some times where we just don't fit. And the way God sees us, first and foremost, is his citizens in God's kingdom. The next image I want to talk to you about is subjects, just like you're a citizen, you're, we're subjects of the king and we're soldiers of the king. I love this quote from Jesus in John chapter 18, verse 36. Jesus said, My kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. So we're, we're soldiers, according to, to the scripture, like that, that God looks at us. As, as soldiers of his king and his kingdom. And there's other places in scripture that say we don't fight against flesh and blood. We're a different kind of soldier. But it's a, it's a much different way of thinking about things. We're not just citizens of a country. We're citizens of heaven. And we're, we're actually soldiers that, that fight a different kind of battle for the king. And on our YouVersion notes, uh, if you go to YouVersion, it's a free Bible app. I've got other scriptures in here. If you want to go deeper into any of these images, citizens, 
or soldiers. There's other scriptures that, that unpack this even more and can help connect the dots of what I'm saying. And the next is ambassadors. In 2 Corinthians 5.20, it says, We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Now, we still use this term now, ambassadors from one country to another. They go and do negotiations on behalf of their government. They're living in a foreign land. And uh, in, in ancient Roman times, ambassadors could actually speak for the king. It was a huge responsibility. This is how God sees us, as citizens of another kingdom, as soldiers of the ultimate king, and as ambassadors. This is one of the big reasons why loving our neighbors, living well, being good citizens, that matters a lot to God. Because not, not just so we can be well-behaved people or, or just it's good PR. When we're, Jesus, when we're following Jesus and we've made Jesus the Lord of our life, we, rep, we tell other people what God is like by our lives. Yes, our words, but people are watching us and we are God's ambassadors. Scripture also describes us as exiles and foreigners. Uh, Peter talks about it in, in the scripture verse. It's in the notes too, but 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 and 11. The idea here is that, that even in our own countries where we were born, we're, we're still strangers in a strange land. We're fully here. We're fully engaged and we love where we live and love things about where we live, but we're not fully home. And while we're here, no matter where it is you live, you're here and you have a job to do. It's to live a life that shows other people what God is like and put that on display. Like in Jeremiah 29, 7, where God is talking to the, the children of Israel that have been taken away from their homeland to Babylon. I can't imagine the trauma involved of being yanked out of your home and you're in a you're in a oppressive place in Babylon, this place that represents everything that's opposite of, of what God wanted their promised land to be. But yet God still says, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. We're strangers in a strange land. And we, we follow a different set of rules. Jesus' upside down kingdom. We serve instead of strive. We serve instead of try to climb the ladder. We put others first. So we're citizens, we're soldiers, we're ambassadors, and we're foreigners and strangers and exiles in a strange kingdom. And a lot, some of you have just elbowed your, elbowed your spouse and said, yeah, I knew you were strange. Well, you're strange for a reason because God has made us, a big part of us, not at home here. But I want you to get this. From God's perspective, we're not citizens of the country we live in. We're ambassadors from his king, kingdom. And that's a very, uh, very different perspective. And it's a different perspective that our culture puts on us. It's a different perspective that I grew up with. It's, it's, not, it's not like this cafeteria thing that you can pick and choose what your identity is. If you're a Jesus follower, your main identity is that you're a citizen and an ambassador of God's kingdom. Take these words from Jesus when he's having this conversation with Pilate. 
Pilate is, is the governor over, uh, the ruler over Palestine, and, and Pilate's trying to decide whether to cruci- what to do with Jesus. Crucify him, set him free, pass the buck to someone else. John 19, verse 10. Do you refuse to speak to me, Pilate said? Don't you realize that I have power either to free you or crucify you? Jesus answered, You would have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. Therefore, the one who handed me over to you is guilty of the greater sin. Now, as an aside, I love that historically, the biggest reason we know about Pilate is that he's a footnote in the big story of Jesus. He's from the most powerful empire on the planet at the time, and he's just this little part in Jesus' story. And he was a bad leader. He wound up passing the buck, washing his hands. I find no guilt with this man, but not strong enough to say, hey, he hasn't done anything wrong, set him free. And he passes the buck and passes Jesus along. Pilate was a bad leader, but here we have Jesus talking to him And he has no anxiety about this person being in charge because Jesus knew that his heavenly father was really in charge. And he said, you wouldn't even be power. You wouldn't have power unless my my heavenly father gave it to you. No, man, this is a very influential example to Jesus's early followers. They had this trust that even if they didn't understand it, didn't agree, because the government quickly turned on the, the Jesus followers. And in Acts 17, we see Paul drawing on this thought as he's talking to the Greeks. Acts 17, 26, Paul says, From one man he made all the nations, that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. This is still true today. We're, we're going to premiere this YouTube video on November 6th, and election day is, is a couple days away, and um, I want to remind you, no matter who you're voting for, which side of the spectrum or off the, the political spectrum you are, The good news is that God is at work in all of this, and he's never far from any of us. He's in control of all of it. And humans, humans are still accountable. We're accountable for the decisions that we make. We're accountable for how we steward our resources, how we use the power that we've been given. But God does use it all, no matter how dark. Paul writes to the Romans in chapter 8, verse 28, And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. All things. I'm the first to jump in line and say, all things, a lot of stuff doesn't make sense about the way the the whole planet is going. But I keep mentioning this in conversations. It's such a useful useful image for me when I when I start thinking, God, God's really in all this. He can work this disaster out. He can work that injustice out for good. Yeah, I know God's powerful, but God, where are you? I heard a pastor say on a podcast recently that God does not play chess. God does not play checkers. Sorry. 
God plays chess. The, the, the difference there between the simple strategy of chess, where all the pieces move the same way, it's a simpler game. God plays chess. It's more strategic. God is thinking, like in chess, you have to think a bunch of moves ahead. God thinks eons ahead. And it does not make sense to us. And God's here you know, when our minds race to bad examples of leadership, uh, bad examples in human history, and say, God, I'm, I'm still supposed to obey the authorities. I'm, st- I'm still supposed to trust that you are king over all of this, even, even though the way, the, the way I want it to, to turn out isn't happening. Oh, for Paul uh, here, some type of authority is better than none. Even, even bad governments, he's saying, oh, God set it all up. Because Paul understands that even a bad government is better than just complete anarchy. Like God wants to use even, even hard times for people to reach out to him. And anarchy hurts the gospel. Like we need some sort of structure. And just even if we don't agree with it, that we say, okay, God, show me how, show me how to stand up for you, how to be your ambassador even in this time, even in this season, even in these circumstances. Now, for Paul and from from the scriptures we've looked at, our goal isn't merely to get government to act more Christian, though our walk with Jesus may include that. Our goal is to be God's agents and ambassadors on behalf of God's kingdom, no matter what. So thinking back through through these images of how God sees us and uh, thinking through the command in Titus, the commanded Christian leaders, tell, tell the people to obey their authorities. Well, up to what point? Because there are scripture examples uh, in the book of Acts. Um, Peter says to the Sanhedrin, hey, we're going to do what seems right to us and the Holy Spirit. So here's a little practical filter I run through uh, when the government gives a directive or laws or that sort of thing. I ask, is this leader asking me to deny Christ? Is this leader asking me to disobey Christ? Is this leader asking me to disrespect Jesus Christ? And if the answer is no to all three of those questions, then I comply and I get back to my business. I get back to my life. I move on because I want to keep my, my thoughts and my heart on things above. And those things really help. There are times when there's politicians or laws made that that do something contrary to the way of Jesus Christ, that we would have to disobey Christ. Oh my goodness. Then we follow Christ. We follow Jesus when there's a disparity between what a law is, what a statute is, and, and what God says. Of course we follow Jesus. But if we're not supposed to, if we're not being asked to deny who Jesus is, disobey him or disrespect him, let's keep the main thing the main thing. The call of Jesus asks us to radically refocus our priorities. And and the call of Jesus is to have our supreme allegiance to him. Our first allegiance is to be to a king in a kingdom. So I want to leave you where we where we started out in Titus chapter 3 and I'll read both verse 1 and 2 to you. Remind the people to be subject to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready to do whatever is good, 
to slander no one, to be peaceable and considerate, and always be gentle to everyone. If we're supposed to follow what it says in scripture, that's a tall order. How many people do you know in life that are slandering no one? (laughs) How many people do you know that are making a conscious effort to be peaceable and considerate and always gentle towards everyone? I think the world could use a good dose of that. I think our culture would recognize that as different. That's To me, that's what Jesus was talking about when he said to be salt and light, the God flavors and the God colors of the earth. We follow Jesus radically. We make bold statements and, and stand for truth, but being ready to do whatever's good and not talking about people behind their back, not destroying people with our words, whether it's face-to-face or online, and to be gentle. Just because we're speaking truth doesn't mean that we can be jerks about it. No, when we follow Jesus, we do things a different way. I know this is true. Like Jesus followers, if you're following him, you can always be at peace no matter what and no matter who is in charge of the nation or the town or your your company because we're looking for where God is at work even in the even in the most trying of circumstances and we're doing everything we can to draw out some good to be a light in the darkness i dream that solid ground will be a church that is known for what it is for and not just for what it's against i grew up with the saying in my church It says, we don't smoke, drink, or chew, or run around with girls who do. My senior pastor was from North Carolina, and he said it with a southern accent, and it always got a laugh. We don't smoke, drink, or chew, or run around with girls who do. And he was poking at the... It's a different way of saying, we will be known for what we're for and not what we're against. We want to love so well that when people think about solid ground, they don't think, oh, that's the church that doesn't dance, or that's the church that won't let you do this. And different churches have, have opinions. I want, I want us to have standards and to love so well and to follow Jesus so radically that people stand back and go, whoa, there's something different about them. And, and they don't say, mm, that's the church that won't let you have any fun or whatever it is. And please don't hear me wrong. God still has standards. Following Jesus is a narrow path. We're not doing away with any of those. But when we do what Jesus said to do, Christianity is more about what we do than the few things that we don't do. I want to do those so well that people stand back and go, wow, those people, I'm glad they're in our neighborhood. I'm glad they're here. So we're a church I want them to, to stand back and say, oh, yeah, yeah, they're the people that believe God can create something out of nothing, and God did. Like, they believe that, and they live in such a way, like, I want to know more about that. Uh, those are the people that, that believe a dead guy came back to life and is still alive. That's what. But there's something about them. I've got to know more. I've got to know more about that. We will be known for what we're for and not what we're against. So citizens... Soldiers and ambassadors of the Jesus nation, 
We are invited by God to be agents of his goodness. And we can do this work out of love and gratitude. And when we do it that way, and when we know God's on the throne, we live our life out of gratitude and love instead of fear and desperation. And I don't want you to live in fear and desperation. I want to remind you today that God still has the whole world in his hands and that in the coming months and years to come, God still has you in his hands. And be ready, be ready to watch God do some amazing things in your life and in our culture. And let's keep our our eye on Jesus and our hearts pointed towards Jesus. Let me pray for you. Uh, Dear Heavenly Father, we join together online. We join our hearts with this prayer. We pray for the leaders of all the nations. We pray for the upcoming elections. And no matter what comes our way, God, we're trusting you. We give the outcome to you. And we know that you are strategizing and you are at work. And will you please open our eyes and open our hearts to what you're doing in this world and give us the wisdom to be good ambassadors for you and to live lives that are worthy of being called your followers. But God, we need your help to do this. Uh, Would you please fill us up with your spirit and fill us up with your hope. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, we'll see you real soon. God bless you and may the Lord bless you and keep you and cause his face to shine down upon you. The Lord be gracious to you and give you his peace. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. We'll see you next week.